Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to Last Mountain Westwater Football Podcast Edition, another review of the week, Week 5 Recap. Check us out, mwire.com, and I appreciate every single person coming to the site yesterday trying to find out how to watch Hawaii and San Jose State. You're very you're appreciative for that. Joined by Matt Kennerly, and we had a crazy week, I think. It was pretty wild, some blowouts, some multiple overtime games. Um, it was all good. We had a fire game almost. It's uh, It was nuts. See, that's the nice thing about being able to talk about an entire conference, because, you know, if, if we were stuck talking about just one team you know there's a very good chance that we would be talking we'd both be getting like very irate for instance like uh if you're a penn state fan today you're probably foaming at the mouth about that last fourth and five call that they had Mm -hmm. um i'm upset utah losing to washington state i'm like come on we would both be way angrier, I think, on the whole than we are now. And because we get to talk about a lot of really interesting games that happen rather than just one. Exactly. And so that's what, that's what makes it fun. Yes, we are a um, – let's put it this way. This might be a bad – you can tell me if you don't like this analogy, but you know when you go to, like, the coffee shop or Barnes & Noble, you got to know a lot about little things. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we are. We know a lot about something fairly specific. We're not, we may not be an expert on every single team, but we know just enough to get by. We have our we have our niche. We do. We know what we're doing. So, but you're right. There's it's it's great because it's like when you listen to other broad shows. Like I listen to a couple NFL shows. I listen to the Solid Verbal. It's kind of a big picture type thing. It's not a. I listen to like zero teams. But do you have a podcast or something you listen to that's just on a specific team or something very isolated? Not these days. No. I I don't. Yeah. I I don't either. It's like more broad stuff or it's some random political stuff let's do because it makes me mad all the time but i don't know how the, it's if you can do it i worked on a show i'll tell you this people know this a byu specific show three hours a day on the radio Yeesh. three hours every day people That's a lot. there are people out there who want that stuff i i love the dallas cowboys and texans and utah Utes. i don't even listen to that all the time i'm like eh, if i get to it great if not i'll read something to paper or listen to some clip or so i don't know it's a I like the broadness of this because it gives us more variety, and hopefully people appreciate that. Yeah. And I think some of our guys do who – because I know Raj listens all the time. like, hey, he's super hyper-focused on Boise State because he's a fan. He writes stuff for us. He joins us on the podcast. Half the time, he's like, cool, Air Force? I'll sort of pay attention to them a little bit. San Diego State, a little – you know what I mean? But hopefully we provide those fans. Hey, I want to know about Team X, and here we are. So let's get to it. That's enough rambling about who we are. That's like an, introduc- sh- an introduction. We've done this for years. Come on. That's our long segue towards maybe thinking that some people out there want to know a little bit more about Nevada and Air Force. Yeah, exactly. What a game. All right, so Nevada, spoiler, Nevada's in my latest bowl rankings with the win last night or yesterday afternoon. Is that appropriate, you think, after they uh, win their first road conference game in just about two years? I think they're definitely in the mix. We should probably mention they won 28-25. to Shouldn't have been that close. Should have been a blowout. It probably and it was a blowout for a really long time. Air Force pull and Air Force like versus Utah State. Let's make a comeback. Let's make this during the fourth quarter interesting, so we can get those ESPN news ratings up when the feed actually stays in place. 
No kidding, right? <laughs> I was rec- I didn't record it. I saw stuff on Twitter. I'm like, I was watching like Sunday morning, and I'm like, why is the ESPN goal line thing on like sometime in the first half? I'm like, is it just a, a score update? No, they had the goal line for a minute. Then you saw the little scramble of the TV feed. I'm like, what is this? It's, two- it's 21st century. We shouldn't be having this. That's what you had when you had the good old rabbit ears trying to adjust your uh, channel. That's two cities away. I mean, if that was their subtle way of saying, cover your eyes, you don't want to watch this Air Force team today. Oh, snap. Can we talk about Air Force? Can we talk about how bad their offense was in the first half? Yes, we can. That's actually what I was <laughs> alluding to. Just to, it, And just if you don't know, on total offense, they were outgained by Nevada 254 to 24. They had 28 yards rushing. They, you know, they gave up two sacks, which I think probably influenced that final number a little bit. But even so, you know, they were averaging less than two yards a carry in the first half. They had zero chunk yards, you know, zero chunk running plays. Yeah. And, you know, by the time they were down 28 to 10, it looked like the game was way out. It looked like it should have been like 42 to 10 the way that Nevada was playing. Well, it should have been, I mean, well, been 28 over to half. Yeah, and and this is not to to take anything take anything away from Nevada. I would contend that this was probably their most complete game of the year, even if they only scored twenty eight points. But you're right, you know they the Air Force had the pick six early on to open the scoring, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, they had that inter- the interception drift for touchdown. Well, here's the thing too: like Nevada had the ball like at the one yard line or something. They got the fumble recovery. The was it strip sack? Malik Reed had the sack there. Lost mm-hmm. here to get to the one. And then, what was it, a penalty or something? I am spacing right now. Yeah, there's a false start. And then there's a, um, another personal foul, a dumb foul. So it's first and goal at the 21. It's like, that's stuff Nevada can't do when they're playing better teams. Like when they have to play Hawaii or, which, well, whatever, San Diego State. When they play Fresno specifically, it's like, if you're at first and goal at the one after getting a fumble, you better get seven points. Mm-hmm. And then the, as, Amazing, a bad throw, but an amazing pick for uh, Air Force to go back 90, 99 yards. Zach, Zane, Zane Lewis. Lewis, yeah, not Zach Lewis, Zane Lewis, ninety nine yards to make it. Look what it did. That that made the that made this a game where it flipped everything, where it could have been way different. Well, I mean, you talked about Malik Reed, and maybe that leads to one of the larger points. You know, for as bad as Air Force looked, like we we both I think expressed our skepticism about the Wolfpack defense, but this was their best game of the year. Oh, for sure. Not not only because they held the Air Force running game in check, they basically outdid Air Force on the ground. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned Malik Reed, and he was a monster yesterday. Yeah. Three, and a half, three and a half tackles for loss, a sack, and two forced fumbles, both of which were recovered by Nevada. So they continued doing kind of what they've been doing all season long, is just creating opportunities for themselves. And what was different between you know this week and you know in past weeks where they lost against Vanderbilt and, and all that was they were just a little better about holding their ground you know for instance air force was only 3 of 14 on third downs you know and i've talked a lot about success rate and how you know being efficient is really the name of the game for air force but their success rate in this game the falcons was only i'm trying to look it up not it, good it wasn't. It was only thirty-two point nine percent, and that's a huge step backwards for that for for an offense that really needs that. But it's also, I think, a step in the right direction for a Nevada defense that needed to prove something, needed to prove it could stay disciplined, and 
you know, even though you could say the other, one of the other things that plagued him were the penalties in this game, because the Wolfpack did have 13 penalties for 103 yards. Those are things that can easily get cleaned up. It's what, you know, I think the takeaways, like the, the especially the disruption up front is one thing that's going to help Nevada, you know, cause some headaches in conference play. Yeah, Air Force, like, they... I, I wasn't keeping track of the numbers as it's going because I was watching on delay, but I was like, man, Air Force is getting nothing. They're getting maybe one or two couple plays in the first half, and they come back from halftime, 28 yards rushing or whatever it was, under 30 yards. Also, did you know... So you notice they had 12 TFLs for the game, Nevada defense. Maybe we should give mm-hmm. them a, a bit more credit. Do you happen to know, without looking, maybe you already know, where they are within a conference of TFLs on the year? I'm pretty sure they're in the top three. They're number one in total and per game. At 48 total, 9.6 TFLs per game. And the most, obviously, yardage is lost for TFLs at 178. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me because they've been, like I said, a little bit boomer bust where they've given up a lot of big plays, but they've also made a lot of positive plays up front as well. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I'm like, oh, 12 is pretty good. And I go and look at it. 11 versus Oregon State, 9, like 8 Toledo, 8 um, Portland State. But you're right. If they could control those big plays, which they did clearly because when you play Air Force or a triple option team or run up, excuse me, I hate it when they kept saying triple option. This is not the triple option Air Force runs. It's a run option mm-hmm. attack. They do run the triple option plays occasionally, but it's a run option. So uh, I hated that whole game. Like, it's not the triple option. It's not Army or what Navy does. It's a little bit different. But having said that from two guys who should know football, to me who sort of knows football, I guess, stopping those big plays against an attack what Air Force does, they're they stopped any big rushing play because typically they'll break through for multiple 10 to 15 yard plays on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally they'll go over the top for a handful of passing plays. Like they, they did have 96 yards, but in the air with both QBs or actually had Worthman. What is this? I didn't even notice this Hammond. We didn't even touch on that. He got most of the start, I guess six to 15 or most of play time. Donald Hammond, Hammond the third, but there was no big plays where it's like, there's not many longest pass that 29 yarder. Or I think it was, what is that what it was? Yeah, twenty nine or pass, but they didn't have a big sixty yard passing play or a huge rushing play. Their long on the ground was just twenty one yards, and that's how you can beat these teams. And if not, Nevada can do this more closely when they play teams like if they can do it versus Hawaii, which would be tough. When they do it versus a running game of whoever's running bet running the ball for San Diego State or Fresno State, when they can do either stopping big plays, it's easy to say. But this Nevada defense hasn't done it. Like we've seen Vanderbilt, we've seen other teams where they get the ball down the field. And I think this is their best defensive effort effort under Jay Norvell in two years. I mean, you might be right about that. Just because the overall holding this Air Force team to when's the last time they've had under 100, like 154 rushing yards. Yeah. The TFL yardage, but their leading rusher had only 71 yards. The, the total rushing was amazing. Cause Air Force typically not as they get like six, five yards of carry. It seems like at, without even trying. Mm-hmm. And they were held to, what was it? Three. Is that right? Yeah, three yards of carry. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's not good. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that Nevada basically outdid Air Force on the ground. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that I, I don't always pay attention to it is time of possession, just because, you know, Nevada, you know, looking back toward the Toledo game, for instance, that they played last weekend, they scored so quickly that time of possession almost doesn't matter in some respects. But, yeah, I think it's worth noting that the, the this is probably their strongest overall performance on the ground as well. And it, and it wasn't all about Toa Tawa, even though he did lead the team with 76 yards and he did average almost six yards per carry. But, you know, Kelton Moore contributed. Ty Ganji was able to do a little something on the ground every so often. So 
if they can stay balanced like that, you know, you, I think that can cover up a little bit for, you know, the secondary's susceptibility to big plays, you know, because obviously Air Force isn't going to throw the ball down the field all that much. Mm-hmm. But if Nevada can continue running the football as well as it has in the last couple of weeks, that's another thing that's going to give themselves a chance to, to compete in the Mountain West. Yeah, true. And yeah, they, because Tua, we know he's a big deal, but he's becoming their best rush, rusher on the air. Mm-hmm. And if you have Kelton Moore can do it, he can do it. And Gangy runs a little bit. It's it's what they're going to do because this isn't a team that is going to want to throw it, which they are. Like, Gangy, I'm going to say only threw 33 times, but we've seen how many times this last year what they want to do. Sometimes they want to throw like 40 plus. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a team where a passing attack or offense attack with a mummy there, Timmy Chang as the QB coach, where they're going to want to throw maybe not as much because they know they have a running, running attack. Because when you look at attempts for the year, Obviously, it's Cole McDonald just because two reasons. They play an extra game, and their offense goes to it. But Ganges, 183 is five games. That's right with K.J. Carter Samuels, who's been pulled a bit, so he's throwing above average. But 33 is probably where you'd want to be because he's had – let me see real quick. Um, 50 last week versus Toledo, 35, mm-hmm. 39 versus Vanderbilt. So it's right in that range, but keep it in that around 30 passes attempts a game, and you'll be fine if that running game is as good as we – seen it be so far yeah it was a good all-around effort for the wolf pack and i mean as for air force i just i don't know where they go from here did you see um um what brent brigham tweeted out about the, the what they're releasing on their depth chart and everything i think you were oh I, I did it's something about how bad would it be if we actually knew who the defensive coordinator was if there's accurate um depth charts a height weight and not listing players on the two deep with broken bones something like that yeah it was um, so why did um? Because I had to get my mute. I was fast forward. Why did Donald Hammond play so much? And I mean, where long, was long uh, story short, Sanders. Aaron Workman just wasn't getting it done. Or where were Sanders? I I don't know. I didn't see or read anything about his availability. That might be the tweet the reason he put put out there for Brett Bergman because it's hard to cover a service academy teams because of what they want to say or not say. Yeah, and I mean. Obviously, I think it seems to be that their shuffling through quarterbacks in the last couple weeks hasn't elicited the results that they'd hoped for because Hammond, by the numbers, wasn't – I mean, he wasn't any better than Arian Worthman. By passer rating, he was actually a touch worse. So, you know, if if Sanders is out for some extended period of time or if he was just benched for the day and they decide to go to him back – or go back to him next week against Navy or something like that, I mean – you just you need someone to operate the offense, and right now, it looks like Air Force just doesn't know who that person's going to be. And if, if if they don't know who's going to be running that offense, it's going to be another. It's going to be basically like 2013 all over again. Yeah, because this offense, it's timing based with the triple obsession, run option, option aspects. It's you can't just throw somebody in there without practice enough because of the timing, and it's I don't know something. I'm trying to read the article over to Gazette, but they don't want you to pay for it, but you have eh, whatever. I'm not going to read it because oh, it's it makes... a, sur- a survey or whatever. No, not survey. It goes, enjoy unlimited dis- digital access with a subscription. Cool. But then it says, please subscribe to continue reading, but I don't, whatever. It just says rally fall short. I was going to see if there's something mentioned about why Sanders was in there. So I mean, let's, let's, let's put it this, let me, let's put it this way and then maybe we can move on. Yeah, let's move on. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going over, I'm going over to uh, cfbstats.com right now. And, through the games that they've played so far this year, 
their per carry average is 3.85. That's the worst stretching back to at least 2009. It's a significant problem. Here we go real quick. Concussion for Isaiah Sanders. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's all it says. It says Worthman started in place of a concussion. Maybe that's why Sanders or Worthman was in last week a bit. So there you go. Get better. Hopefully he's ready for Navy because even when he was quarterback, it's not like he's running at a high, a fine-tuned machine. There were still issues, and they're still pulling a Worthman every now and then too. Yeah, I mean things are things are looking pretty rough for the Falcons right now. So Falcons really quick, they're one and three. So if you think it's what was this was two thousand nine that two win season they had? Uh well I think their most recent one was in twenty thirteen, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Their most recent two in season. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know, because we'll see. They got Navy and San Diego State. They're gonna struggle. They're gonna be I, I can I call it right now they're not going to a bowl game? I think that's a pretty safe assumption, yeah. Not gonna beat Navy. Who knows about San Diego State? I'll say probably not. At UNLV, probably not. A toss-up. Boise State, no. At Army, probably not. They, I mean, going into the game, they were already 9% to get to six wins. Oh, so they're, they're toast, right? I think so, yeah. 9% for what? The uh, football? To get to six wins, yeah. For, for football study hall. Football study hall. All right, there's so many things out there, McLaren. Just get the right one. Next game. Where are we going next? What should we go to? Is it uh, the game nobody saw on TV? Thankfully. Liberty beats the Mexico. I'm telling you, Bob Davies not going to be the coach by Halloween. Kind of a weird game, though. Are you with me, though? Is that something on your uh, radar? I mean, at this point, he's... Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, we kind of knew coming into 2018 that Liberty was going to be kind of a high-flying passing attack. It was just that in the first three games of the year... They didn't really get a chance to show that off against teams that you would have thought they'd be able to at least push around a little bit, like North Texas and uh, you know an army and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they came out and blew the doors off in New Mexico, and that's extremely disappointing to me when you consider what the Lobos were able to do against New Mexico State two weeks ago. It struck me as being a similar kind of offense where you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to try to throw the ball, but they were able to have a lot of success against the Aggies two weeks ago. And this game was more or less the exact opposite of that. Stephen Calvert, the Liberty quarterback, threw for over 400 yards. You know, they only managed one sack in like 30, 40-something dropbacks. They only had uh, I mean, they only had five tackles for loss on the day. So, I mean, even though they were able to contain the running game a little bit, it didn't really matter because – Calvert was able to create big plays all over the place. He did. It was a big deal. I know turnovers are easy to say, but when you when you're minus three and give up 14 points off turnovers, that's the difference in this game for the most part. Yeah. Where they had interceptions that turned for picks. New Mexico did get a a turnover into a field goal, which is nice and all, but they can't have um, give up turnover on points because they were down. 42 to 10. So they had made a second half. Yeah. They were, it's just that start where it's like they were just getting uh, just boat race 42, 10. So it's like, what was the second half of the first half? Wish I could have actually seen a bit more or any to see what went on, but they made some changes. They did really good job getting back in the second half, but they just ran out of time. And then also through an interception late in the game too, which didn't help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by halftime when, when Liberty was up 42 to 10, New Mexico had already allowed 329 yards total offense. Oh boy! And and Calvert had over 300, or he had 265, or excuse me, 264. 
And then they also had a 39-yard pass from DJ Stubbs as well. So they were leading with the pass, and they were about as successful as any Liberty fan out there could have hoped. And even though they were only 4 of 10 on third downs in that first half, they were also 2 of 2 on fourth downs. So, you know, on the one hand, New Mexico just wasn't getting any stops. And then on the other hand, Tifaka Tuioti just didn't have it. And nope. depending on your perspective, you know, it either goes from bad to worse or just kind of all around still worse because now he's out for the season, they think, with a broken clavicle. Yeah. And Sharon Jones, to his credit, did make a few plays in the third and fourth quarter. But you're right, those interceptions are going to come, you know, if, if he can't keep himself from turning the ball over, you know, 10 of 18 for 231 yards by the end of the third quarter is kind of an eye-opener. Yeah. Yeah, because each of the th- three or four guys that were catching passes, especially Delane Hart-Johnson, he had what was described as the catch of the year candidate. No, I couldn't and see I, it. Sorry, folks, what happened? How was and it? I, and I wish that somebody I could see it, too. Picture? I wish some, somebody should have put this game on Twitch or something, is what I'm saying. I know Liberty had some highlights on their Twitter account, but it's we need the Hawaii hero from a couple years ago who had put on Periscope. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, the, being able to create big plays is a plus. You know, I mean, it, it it would help if they weren't down 32 when they were trying to create these big plays. Mm-hmm. But also, you're absolutely right. Like I said, just avoiding the turnovers is either going to make or break this team in conference play. And they had chances, too. Like, when it was 49-29, I'm just kind of go over the drive chart and check in a few things that stood out to me. So, yeah, they threw the interception. One, well, we'll get that in a minute. But here's what really hurt them. It's 49-29. Aaron Pert has an awesome or Pearl Sweet where yeah, Pert, sorry. Eyesight's not good tonight, apparently. Had a nice return. They get they get the ball near midfield at their own forty three yard line. Great. Mm-hmm. Interception two plays later. Defense steps up and holds them on downs where they could have kicked a field goal. Maybe they weren't fifty one yarders are a little iffy. But it's like they and then they go to then they turn around and score a touchdown. But you you can't have to have good plays negated by bad plays. It could have been mm-hmm. worse if they maybe get a few yards, go up fifty two twenty nine. Who knows? Get a touchdown. It could have been fifty plus fifty six at that point. But they were the, the defense okay second half. But it's just little things here and there where you good play, quick return, interception, interception for points. Defense actually second half played fine. If you look at how many like very short drives outside of the first drive for. Uh, which still led to a punt for Liberty. They had that 10-play drive, which was looking to, looking to be um, not very good for New Mexico, who's going to maybe go down 49-10 right away. They forced him to punt every time and had every drive after that was, I believe, six or fewer plays. For um, Well, excuse, except for the field goal late in the game, which kind of basically sealed, sealed it for him. Defense played fine the second half. Offense, again, the interception, like I mentioned, they scored a touchdown, did a punt a couple of times. It was just too little too late. And that they not and they had chances. I don't know if they had chances to win the game, but if they played even what fifteen percent better in the first half, they could have won this game. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and I think maybe to echo that point, if you go look at the uh, the box scores the football study hall puts together, if you're looking for silver linings as a Lobos fan, you can take a look at this. Squint hard. <laughs> well, you don't necessarily Sorry. have to squint hard. Go ahead. Here, here's <laughs> one positive. On a per-play basis, the Lobos were at least a yard better than Liberty. It was 7.4 to 6.3. And, and granted, allowing 6.3 yards per play maybe isn't great. <laughs> no. 
But, you know, the fact that they were able to put up so many yards in the second half, it, it gives you hope against some of the teams with more suspect defenses in the conference, like Colorado State, San, uh, San Jose State, those types of teams. So that's one thing. The other thing I'm going to bring up again is success rate, just the ability to stay on schedule. And I don't they don't have like a quarter breakdown like they did last year. But by success rate, they were 14 percent better than Liberty. They were right around 47%, which is really good, all things considered. And, you know, even though they lost the field position battle, you know, they, they let Liberty start at the 33 on average throughout the game. And I think a lot of that had to come down to the turnovers. They started on their own 30-yard line, which is still a step in the right direction. So they were giving themselves opportunities to create, you know, short fields and stuff like that. And on the whole, when you add all that stuff up, it may sound weird, but according to the numbers, it gave them a 76% chance to win this game. Yeah. So there are things to hold on to. You know, if you are optimistic, you look at the second half of this game and you see this is an offense that can maybe outpace a shaky defense and beat up some of the inferior defenses in this conference. If you're a pessimist, you look at that first half and you say they have no chance to win. It just kind of depends on your perspective because yeah. I think you can make a it's pretty both. strong argument both ways. Yeah, I just think honestly the big difference was don't turn the ball over. Simple as that, right? Is that the easy answer? I think it probably is because you're minus three. How many picks you have with you're, you're going with Sharon and Joan dressed away, which means you're going to be throwing probably more than you would. Mm-hmm. Um, running game, you know, two hundred plus yards. Um, Tyron Owens had ninety three yards. Um, I can't say Toyota because he's not playing, but he they have their main back there. It's just, it's, I think that's as simple as what it is. Just don't turn the ball over three times. Any blue opportunities you have. Let me, really quick, for, um, I don't really look at the five-factor box score all that often. I probably should. So so when it says a win probability, it says post-game win probability. Does that mean if they play the game again? I think that's what it means. I think when you take into account the way that the team has performed, and on, how- a, on average, the probability that a team with you know the amount of yards per play you know, the success rate that a team had and you know, all those kinds of things. I think, yeah, it's looking back at the at the game and suggesting that three quarters of the time New Mexico would have won this game. So looking through this, I see a couple hundred percent to zero. Specifically yeah. that we got, we'll talk about BYU next week, but that Washington BYU game, hundred percent to zero percent. <laughs> yeah. Same as Georgia Tech and Bully Green. So, so New Mexico there. Like, I start off harsh saying, is Bob Davey done? There's a lot of reasons why I think he should be done already. But for on the field, it's – we'll see. They got two wins. They're 2-2. Two and two, so It's like they're 0-4. They go to UNLV, which will be interesting. That line's out already, correct? You, you sent that out on Twitter, right? Yeah, UNLV's a double-digit favorite. Ooh, okay. On the road. So they're probably not going to win that one. At CSU, you never know. They got Fresno, Utah State. Like – they could be two and six after Utah State. Is that that's not too far fetched? I don't think so. No. Would I'll put you on this hot seat? Is Bob Davey gone after two and six? If like let's just say it's like a forty to ten loss to Utah State. Well, I forget exactly who brought it up. Somebody mentioned on Twitter. Can they even afford to do that right now? There's that too. We should probably talk to our guy Daniel Libet, who knows that stuff quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He's been all over the NM Fishbowl on Twitter. Because, I mean, I think if money were no object, then, yeah, he would be gone. But I think when you when you consider the finances that the university oh, is dealing with right now. Ma- it's a complete mess. It's an ugly situation. Um, just go follow Jeff Grammer or Daniel Lippitt or Ed on Fishbowl, and you'll see there's 
not just money issues, but um, trying to hide and delete emails from open records requests. Yeah. So yeah, illegal stuff. I think that's legal, right? If you're a state employee, if it's, if it's not illegal, it's probably unethical. Yeah, at the worst, and that, that's almost the same thing. Almost. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's go to the next game. The you had the tweet of the day for the um, boy state versus Wyoming, apparently by some people. There are wild it's wildfires out in the uh, I believe they said the Colorado Wyoming border. We're all used to out west. You and me, we know what's going on. It's been smoking for what past four months at least. Every yeah, day. yeah, been there, done that. I could see the flames at one point from my house. I'm like, oh jeez. The glowing, oh, wow. it, it, yeah, it's like 20 miles, but I got the mountains where I'm at, so it's like up high and so far. But I'm like, man, smoke coming through, like in my apartment hallway where it's sealed off on each side, you can still have the smoke coming through. I'm like, great. So, imagine I can't imagine trying to play football 7,200 feet in this game. It's uh, but Boise based almost finished. Not, well, I'm no, I'm not gonna complete that sentence because that's very un- insensitive. There, it was just a, um, a barn burner early, and I'll just go with that one. I'll leave it at that 24 to zero. and Voters who didn't check out this game more closely because it ended up 34-14, vote the right way, folks. Pay attention a little bit more. Boise kicked their ass. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I mean, had, what, minus five yards rushing in the first half? Did, whatever it was, it was really ugly. I think it's minus 25 because I remember I mentioned Nico Evans said that he would 75-yard run, which looked amazing. But they were getting – the first half was – Wyoming couldn't do anything. Vanderwall yeah, himself, was, um, really quick, so, minus 53 rushing for him for TFLs and sacks. Yeah, so, and, and this doesn't adjust for sacks or anything like that, but to, to allude to your point, it was 13 care, thirteen rushes minus 15 yards in the first half. Sounds about right. I I don't know what to say. Well, I mean, their defense wasn't very good in the first half. Boise, like, Rippin is, I forget what somebody said, I think it was Dave Southern or something from, from the uh, Idaho Statesman. Ripon's gone with 340 attempts without an interception. Yeah, um, I know. I know for a fact he's the only quarterback in the conference of note right now. You know, that's not running like a triple option <laughs> offense or something like that. Without a that's pick. thrown for zero interceptions. Yeah, he's basically playing about as well as any quarterback can play, and you know he rebounded very nicely from his performance last week against Oklahoma State I mean and granted you know losing fumbles wasn't necessarily his fault a couple weeks ago but he just came out swinging in this game and put together another really good performance 28 of 42 342 yards two touchdowns and you know I kind of expected that their front four was able to give Boise some trouble and they did collect two sacks but for the most part you know, guys like you know Carl Granderson and all those guys were held in check. It was just complete dominance from start to finish. Yeah, it it's all it was. Yeah, the score looked a little close because the Wyoming defense was making a few more plays in the second half, but it all comes down to the offense. Like Vander Wool had he did have two hundred plus yards, just over a TD. Nico Evans, yeah, had one huge run, but even if, it's I don't want to take it away because it happened, but. Well, I mean, just couldn't get anything done. When they needed plays, they were not getting plays. Like, James Price, like, 77 yards on one play. Again, they had two big plays. Those two touchdowns were it for the well, I mean, that's all. The 72-yarder and the 75-yard run. Outside of that, like I said, they, they just crushed them, and they did nothing. And then you got the yeah. one-handed catch in the end zone without a shoe on. You had all sorts of amazing things happen in this game that everything went Boise State's way. 
Yeah, I mean, in, especially going back to that first half, because I would I would make the case that the game was over by halftime. Me too. I debated not watching, but I decided to watch the first little bit and I saw the touchdown. I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here when it's 24-7. So third, third down conversions, Boise was 5 of 10. Wyoming was only 1 of 6. That tells you a lot right there. Wait, in the first half? In the first half. Oh, yeah. 2-11. I was like, wait. No, but they were, yeah, 2-11 overall, 0-2 in the fourth, fourth uh, down. Did you see the time of possession here? I did not. Who had the ball more? Let me, I want you to take a guess. Who do you think? Well, I would assume it's probably Boise State. Okay. Do you want to? I'll just tell you because it's boring to guess. 40 minutes time of possession for Boise State. That does not surprise me at all. Watching a game, it doesn't. But thinking back about what type, like you mentioned before, ripping, not a triple option QB, no picks. But you wouldn't easily expect that to be the case for a, a traditional offensive team. But that shows you how many, what, three and outs or how many punts Wyoming well, I had. Like the first half, whatever, three plays punt, four plays fumble, four plays punt. They had drives were under, uh, even, even including the touchdown drives, their longest drive was seven plays. I mean, is, Seven is plays. It, to me, it just looked like the Broncos were a team that's, you know, I, I expected coming into the year that it would be a fist fight to the top of the Mountain Division. But, you know, the addressed most of their issues from a couple weeks ago against Oklahoma State. You know, they still had some special teams adventures. Hayden Hogarth missed the first field goal, yeah. and you could kind of sense Boise State Twitter being like, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah. But then he rebounded, and he made his next two from 30 and 33. And they also managed to kind of flip the special teams mishaps onto Wyoming. You know, they had the blocked punt against Tim Zaleski, for instance. Um that which I believe set up another one of their early touchdowns, and you know you're starting to see that this is not an offense which is a lot like, like a lot of other Boise State offenses that doesn't rely on one guy. Obviously, Ripon's the guy that makes it go, but we've seen that multiple skill position players can make a difference from game to game. You know, this time it was AJ Richardson who led the team with six catches, 113 yards, including a really tough. You know, hotly contested touchdown grab, and John Hightower, for instance, had another grab that set up. Uh, it was what was it, one hand and one shoe? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had four for seventy nine. Shad Monster had seven catches for eighty eight yards, and you know, even though Alexander Madison on a per play basis was you know, a little bit sluggish, he only had fifty seven yards on the day. You know, he was out there hurdling defenders, and. Yeah, I figure, you know, if there's ever an instance where the passing game is a little bit hit or miss, I would not be surprised if he goes out there and runs for like 120 or 150 yards or something like that. Yeah. This is looking this is looking more and more like a Boise State team that is not going to have much issue getting to the top of the division with the way that other teams have played so far. You know, I'm like <clears throat> Utah State, excuse me. Well, besides Utah State. Okay. I'm just, hey. It's looking like uh, let's let me rephrase that. It's looking <laughs> like a collision course. There you go. Those two yeah. Teams. Also, I was doing a quick uh, Twitter search for something while you're chatting there. So Nico Evans came back, 141 yards, awesome. He, two of his rushes were 100 yards total, or 100, excuse me, 105 yards. He had a 75 yarder and like a 30 yarder. So he's back. And so for the folks who were questioning my bull predictions last week, saying would I said Wyoming out? Of course, it's a Wyoming guy from Rivals.com. I'm like, okay, I, I hear you. He's like, why aren't they in your bull predictions? I'm like, well, their offense sucks. Right, I'm not wrong on that. And if it's going to happen, it's good. There's still there's still a chance. But what I saw again, they won't place a team like Boise State that as good. They got 
Hawaii, Fresno, Utah State. They got some tough teams. They'll be those final four games, but the way CSU moves the ball in the air, assuming depending who the QB is, I don't see why they could beat them or why they would have a they'd have a decent chance. But I, I'm I'm still I, I did my bull picks already. Wyoming is out again. Hello Nevada. <laughs> hmm. All right, let me give you your minute to talk about the rankings because you're ticked about at least one particular team who jumped Boise State in the AP poll. Yeah, so if, if you were paying attention on Twitter earlier on Sunday when we were recording this, man, some of these rankings just do not make any sense to me. And and if you if you ever read the article, you would know that uh, you know in the coaches poll, Boise is up to twenty four, and that's fine. In the AP poll, they are in the also receiving votes. They're twenty six. And However. if you look at if you look <laughs> at what happened from last week to this week, there are five teams that dropped out of the rankings. It was BYU, Duke, Mississippi State, Cal, and Texas Tech. How was Cal ranked in the first place? Come on. Cal was having a pretty good September. Man, they barely beat BYU. But go ahead, continue. So, five teams somehow managed to leapfrog Boise State last week to this week. And to me, the one team that sticks out is Colorado, who, yeah, they're 4 0. You know, last week they were 26th. So they were in the exact same spot last week that Boise is this week. But have you seen who Colorado has beaten so far? Yes, they beat an 0-4 UCLA team. Who, mm-hmm. not kidding, seriously could go 0-12 this year. Just saying. Yeah. There's a real chance. Um, they beat um, Colorado State. Yes. Who else they beat? Because I'm not sure. An FCS team of some sort? I think I'm trying to remember. I don't have their schedule in front of me. I, I saw somewhere that the combined oh they beat Nebraska, also winless, terrible and Nebraska, beat, and they beat New Hampshire. Okay, so a bunch of teams that aren't very good this year. No, apparently New Hampshire was like a top five preseason FCS team, but they are now winless. Keyword FCS team. FCS team, yeah. So their combined schedule so far is one and sixteen, and somehow. <laughs> Somehow the voters had the wisdom to up them five whole spots. But Matt, they're in the Pac-12. Who they ha- cares? They have to be good. <laughs> Colorado hasn't beaten anybody. They, and I, I have no idea how they can go out and beat UCLA, which hasn't beaten anybody. 0-4. And, and, and Boise State could go out and put a manhandling on Wyoming, who, by the way, have beaten somebody this year. Mm-hmm. And they only blew up one spot. That does not make any sense to me. I mean, you could make, yeah, you could say NC State's a little bit iffy, but, you know, they had a very, a couple of nice wins so far. And they're undefeated as well. They are undefeated. You could, you could make the difference that they've lucked out by the fact that their, their game against West Virginia got canceled because of the hurricane a few (laughs) weeks ago. Yeah. So they're lucky to even be in that position to leapfrog Boise State as it is. But that's another situation entirely. And Oklahoma State. That's the only other one that I really have a quibble with. Because whoa, whoa, whoa. Virginia Tech, man, come on. Can't we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk okay. about Virginia make, Tech in a minute. Making sure. And yes, Oklahoma State did beat the Broncos a couple weeks ago. But they got hammered by Texas Tech and then went out and beat Kansas last week. Woohoo! Kansas. <laughs> hey, Kansas had a two-game winning streak after they beat somebody in Rutgers. 
How did okay? So to, last week, 26, 27, 28, 29. Oklahoma State was thirtieth last week, and Boise was twenty seventh. Right? They were twenty seventh. Mm. They the Cowboys beat Kansas and moved up, and move up five spots. How does that happen? Big Twelve, baby. Come on, I, I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Like I can. Okay, for me, Oklahoma State being ahead of Boise, I'm not. It's fine because Oklahoma State beat them. I don't have a huge quibble, but you're right. The the amount of movement from that far down and beating a nobody, like if you have Wyoming versus Kansas, Wyoming, Wyoming even though they're not great, probably be a five point favorite. And the only and you mentioned Virginia Tech. The only reason I have less of a problem with Virginia Tech is because. You know, the games that they've won this year, and yeah, you did mention that they lost Old Dominion, but they've looked really good otherwise. Yeah. You know, maybe Florida State isn't quite as good as we expected them to be, but they've rebounded nicely. They had a big win yesterday against Louisville. Um, they looked very impressive yesterday against Duke, and I do think Duke's a really good team. I think they're going to be a factor in the Coastal Division. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be the sacrificial lamb for Clemson in the, in the championship game out uh, there. I don't know, man. Clemson? Maybe. If Kyle but, Murray comes back, because he's still enrolled, apparently. So, you know, the fact that they, they lose to Old Dominion and then come back and beat Duke pretty handily doesn't bother me as much. And maybe we should put me a too. disclaimer out there. I hear you. Because, disagree too with that. Because if you look at the points, there's a grand total of three points difference between Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State, and Boise State. It's just the fact that those teams were able to leapfrog the Broncos just irritates the hell out of me you know it also irritates me i was following the clemson game because syracuse nearly won mm-hmm. who, who is still putting clemson number one with their starting quarterback out that is a very good question there were i wish the ap website had it a bit better because you can sort by voter but i wish maybe i haven't looked at it enough maybe maybe you, you've got to you've got to follow reddit college football for yeah. that they have, Could, they have a chart okay that's what i was thinking like if you have the what would make sense an ap site you can pick up like Brett McMurphy, or pick up um, whoever you want to see who votes this week in the AP poll. You can see their vote. I want to click on a team and see how that team was voted in the grid. But so you say Reddit has it set up like that? They usually, every week on Twitter, they have a like a graphic that shows you who voted for who. Because there used to be a site that got shut down or just stopped going because of money cost. I would do that every week. But now the AP does it. So, but uh, that's what I want to see. Like, who the heck's voting Clemson number one still? Because if Kyler Murray's not there, if he actually indeed does transfer, because there's, I think the guy's out for the year or something. The guy who took his place. Whatever. I also feel. I also feel uh, like Michigan State's going to get mauled by the time they face a real Big Ten team. Is Michigan State back in the ranking somehow? Or are they still ranked? They're still number twenty, which <sighs> they they've been the least impressive looking number twenty team I've ever seen. Okay, question for you. We, you and me discussed our San Diego State or for my underdog poll, uh, UD Dynasty or Underdog Dynasty. Um, how is San Diego State still getting like eight points in these polls? I mean, I think some of it has to do with the fact that they, I mean, they beat Arizona State. That's still something. Yeah, but they, they don't have Jawan Washington anymore. Well, it doesn't matter who you don't and you. I think it does. A little do bit. and don't have. I think it just comes down to you know your resume, and I think you know. Among the teams in the conference, you know, you could put their win against Arizona State up against Boise State's win against Troy, or you know, we'll, which we'll get to in a minute. Fresno State's win against Toledo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that there's still a case to be made that they deserve to be at the very bottom of the top twenty-five. What about Fresno State? Why aren't they getting any credit? I have no idea. Okay, that's, that's your chance to bash on the Aztecs for the milk can coming up later. No, no, no. That's the, that's for Boise. 
Oh wait, what's oh geez. San Diego State is the oil can. Jeez, oh, can too many cans. You got, you got your cans mixed up. I do. All right. Um, anything else you want to bash on the polls, boy? Well, we should say Boise is twenty fourth in the uh, coaches poll. So good I'm on just them. Gonna, I'm just going to say I can't wait for Colorado to lose and make us all make everybody wonder why they were ranked all along. Hey, they're the only undefeated team in the Pac twelve, Matt. I don't care. They haven't <laughs> they haven't beaten anybody. Let's move let's move on before oh. I get angry. Next great game: Hawaii at San Jose State. 44-41. You might be underselling this game by calling it great. It was a close game, 44-41. Quintuple overtime. Five, that's five, folks, if you're counting. Kind of, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like the Quinter back, they had five overtimes to decide this game. And I believe were two of the overtimes because each team missed back-to-back field goals. That is correct. So there was a couple of chances this game could have gone either way in a couple overtimes. Um you like San Jose State more than I do, and they did quite well in the first half of this game because they got out to a 17-10 to 10 lead, and I guess it's time for me to stop saying Montel Aaron should start because Josh Love, 28-49, 451 yards and three touchdown passes. That's the best performance prop for a Spartan quarterback probably since David Fales is on campus. Yeah, and I think that you know when they put him in a position to succeed – you know, he made the most of those opportunities. You know, they did have nine passing plays of over 15 yards, including you know a very impressive you know catch and run from Bailey Gaither, who we'll we'll talk about more uh, more about him in a minute. Your new favorite wide receiver. Yeah, well, he, I think he's underrated, and I said that on Twitter yesterday. But when they put him in a position to succeed, you know, he came through for the most part. And it, I, and I'm looking at third downs in particular. Because on the whole, they were 8 of 20 in this game, which is pretty modest. It's right around average. But you look at the difference between what the Spartans did when they were in third and long and when they weren't. You know, when they had more than nine yards to go, and this was especially critical when it came to those overtimes, they were only 2 of 11. Mm-hmm. But when they were third and eight or less, they were, what, 6 of 9? They're pretty good. They were – here's the thing. Also, we can't – great performance, but it's not like this Hawaii defense is anything amazing or great. But, however, we've seen San Jose State offense struggle so often even against bad teams. So to see this performance in the air, it's pretty striking of what – like you said, they have potential. They have guys on this team. Like we'll mention Gaither, Oliver, 8 for 158 to tight end position with a touchdown. Huge 70-yard pass. They were going downfield. And so the confidence is building that maybe it's next year or who knows, maybe the year after that. It's going to take a while to get back. But this, they played well. And what's the reason they lost? Hawaii made a big second half comeback. Kickers missing field goals both sides, not just in San Jose State. But they – I'll say the kicker, the guy was two for six. I mean, that is what stands out. That's not I everything, think... but that's part of That's a big key because they could have won in overtime, I think, twice. I think, or extend overtime once and win it once. I think it's really hard to pin it on one guy, though. If only because you know, in the first half they were able to get away with having basically zero running game because Josh Love is so successful throwing the football. They they had outgained the Warriors two eighty one to one sixty one in the first half, but two hundred and seventy three of those yards were through the air. They had eight rushing yards in the first half, Not and. Good. And in the second half, they only had 31. 
by which point Hawaii's offenses started to rally and outgained them 314 to 209. So that by the time you got to the end of the game, like the total yards are fairly even. But I think the story is that the, they just didn't, the Spartans didn't have the weapons to hold them off for long enough. Well, they, and when you go back, so I mean, it's easy. It's easy to blame the kicker when, especially when you have opportunities in overtime to to make those plays. But you know, I look at Malik Roberson, Brendan Man, uh, Brendan Manigo, twenty three carries, sixty four yards combined. Not good enough. They just need to get a little more from the running game. I think they really miss Tyler Nevins. Would they have won if he was in the lineup and they played similarly? I think they would have had a much better chance. Yeah. And I mean, I think at some point they probably missed Gaither as well because after that touchdown catch, he had to get carried off the field by a couple of teammates because it looked like he either rolled his ankle or his like some kind of lower leg injury when you know the defender making the tackle just happened to kind of roll over his leg. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think they were able to get some big plays without him. But I do think that they I do think that they missed him because his two catches went for 97 yards. You know, Josh Oliver did a lot to pick up the slack, and he spread uh, Josh Love spread the ball around to like nine different guys. But you know, I think I mean it sounds cliche to say this is a team that's still learning how to win, but I do kind of think that's the case. No, you're right. It's um, it's true. But I can I say I should blame the kicker on my part he was 0 for 3 in overtime well no he had the 1 no oh sorry he missed 3 in overtime 1 for 4 in overtime it's like they could have won it like I I don't even want to blame one play they made overtime they were ahead but he missed the first field goal okay Hawaii missed so that's obviously wash he had another chance this is a 30 yarder he missed a 30 yarder to win the game and then he came back and good for him made the other one that was 20-yarder. But it's like, I'll put a lot of blame on him. It's the 40-yarder, whatever, he missed. But also, it's two things. Why defense did well in overtime. Because look at the amount of, like, when you look at the overtime stats, they had the one touchdown. First missed field goal was zero yards offense. They did hold. They did get a first down, but that's still a missed field goal, only 12 yards, half the distance. So I give credit to Wise defense over time. But you missed that many field goals, it's like, come on. It's got to be for a team that struggles so bad. It's got to hurt to lose because the kicker misses four times and three of those in overtime. Yeah, I don't know. And the defense too, because look what the defense gave up. Like Cole McDonald had a pretty big game, four three hundred forty yards. They held the rushing game okay. In the second half, the defense <coughs> couldn't hold their own because the first half, excuse me, first half they defined. Second half they allowed twenty twenty one points. Yeah, I mean, I think we should give McDonald some credit because he was 10 of his first 20. Mm-hmm. Came back strong. And, and then he came back, and I think, he, if my math is correct, he was uh, 24 for his next 37. Yeah, that's right. So, and, he, and of course, he had four touchdowns on the day, three of them to John Ursua, who continues to torch everybody in sight next to him. PFF Player of the Week, probably, for wideouts, always. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and so... You know, I don't know. It's when, just it's it's if you're a San Jose State fan, this one hurts. It hurts. It it hurts, but it also it's also nice too a little bit because you've shown, hey, we can do something, right? Yeah. Are they going to beat Colorado State next week? Because that could be the first one of the year at home. 
I'm going to have to look closer at that matchup before I say anything one way or the other. Right now, CSU's a, is a road field goal favorite somehow. So they're basically even. Essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that we'll see. That's, that's their best chance for their first win. Beyond that, I don't know if they'll get a win after that. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. All right, so we got um, so Hawaii. So Hawaii. I want to take a Hawaii. Their, their strive for six is coming up closely. And I'll get to them later. They got Wyoming. They got BYU. We'll get to those later. Should we get to the, the game you attended attended last night? Yeah, let's do it. Fresno State hosting the. Could we call them now the former frontrunners for the MAC, or can they stake us still in the MAC? <laughs> they I mean, they haven't played any MAC games. They're still in it. So you, you talk about that game. That was it. Seemed like a, from what I saw, a pretty dominant performance for your Bulldogs. Oh, it absolutely was. What was? I mean, if, yeah, go ahead. Just keep going for a second. I mean, it was it was interesting because there was there was a moment early in the second quarter where it looked like the te- where it looked like Toledo might have a serious upper hand because they were already up ten seven and they had just forced McMarion to an interception where you know he basically got hit as he threw in a defensive line and pluck uh, excuse me a, a lineman plucked it out of the air. And so they were set up with a short field, and it looked like, you know, with the way that the Rockets had been moving the ball, you know, they'd had two straight drives where uh, they'd gone 69 and 75 yards for 10 points. And it looked like if they'd done it again, they were gonna, the Bulldogs were going to be on their back heels. But the defense answered. They held them to another field goal. And then almost immediately after that, the offense started clicking. And, you know, the rest of the second half basically went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And the only reason they missed a field goal is I think it was a little bit rushed because they were trying to get it off before time ran out in the first half. But, you know, they were up 28 to 13 at halftime. And then immediately after halftime, touchdown, pick six, touchdown. And that was pretty much all it wrote. So even though the final score was 49 to 27, it was not that close. What it seemed like in my end watching, it's like, all right, Toledo is doing a few things, but if you look at what like Toledo, they're normally they're not to joke to the Rockets, but they typically put a ton of points up, and their passing game was held in check. Like Fresno's defense is legit, and the, everything overall was great. I think for that Fresno defense, yeah, twenty-seven points looks like a lot, but in the fourth quarter, like you're there, how many of the backups were kind of rotated in because it was what forty-nine after that third quarter, forty-nine to thirteen. Were they yeah. just kind of rotating guys in just to, hey, we're up big, go play a couple of series? Well, at the end of three quarters, the, the Bulldogs had a total offense advantage of 500 to 199. That's good. That's pretty good. It is. It's very good. <laughs> and, you know, some of it had to do with the fact that they were able to knock Mitchell Guadagni out of the game. I think the official word was that he had a concussion. So, you know, he missed a little bit at, toward the end of the second quarter, and then he didn't play at all in the second half. And Eli Peters came in, and between the two of them, they were only 16 of 31 for 238 yards. And even though they had three touchdowns, it was the two touchdowns that Peters threw that happened when the game was already well out of hand. And, you know, it was just, you know, you mentioned a dominant performance by the defense. Rushing you know, defense but, specifically. Yeah, Five sacks, nine tackles for loss. Michael Walker in particular had a hell of a game. You know, he had two and a half tackles for loss. He was the guy who had the pick six where he basically you know, batted it to himself out of the air. And this, like I said, this is just an overall dominant performance. Even on offense, you know, McMarion had the hot hand early. He had his he completed his first eight passes. 
and he finished 24 of 31, 368 yards and four touchdowns. And I looked it up, and that's the best single game that any Fresno State quarterback has had since Derek Carr was under center. It's pretty good. Am I? Can I toss a little shade here and say that I'd like the running game to be a tad better? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that if you're nitpicking, was, if you're nitpicking, yeah. I mean, I think that depends on your perspective because Jordan Mims was lights out because of the fact that he did most of his damage through the air. Mm-hmm. He actually led the Bulldogs with 126 yards and six catches. And if you saw the way that they set him up for his long, he had a couple of long catch and runs. Um, you know, he had the 55 yarder, and I think he had one that was 47 yards for a touchdown. But he was wide open. And so, yeah, you could say you can quibble a little bit, I think, and and say, well, maybe the running game could be a little bit better. But you know, the way they were setting him up to succeed. To me, I feel like that's kind of splitting hairs. It is, but also when you have the three top three backs, like Mims and Hokit, well, I guess two, 22 for 118, that's fine. That's good enough for one great running back, just running alone. So it's fine. Like you said, if the way Mims got those short catch and runs, he turned him into big plays, that's kind of like a running play, essentially. So I just kind of poke around just to see. So um, how angry you get that Fresno lost to Minnesota? I mean, in retrospect, that loss, I feel like, is going to get worse and worse. I said it on Twitter last night, and I'll say it here. This this is the best evidence why I thought this team could go undefeated this year. And, this game, you know, it's, you it's, 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 still, it's still the team. This is still the reason why I think they could go with one loss and win the championship. Oh, they certainly can. Yeah. Because looking at, here's what they have coming up. They're sitting at three and one. They go to Nevada, which I think it'll be fairly tricky a little bit because we see what Nevada could do offensively. But I'd still say that's a victory. Wyoming doesn't see doesn't have the offense to keep pace. New Mexico, fine win. Hawaii, similar to Nevada, could be interesting. At UNLV, they want revenge, so they'll probably win that game. It's at Boise State. San Diego State's late in the year. Maybe they do get um Juwan Washington back, but it's the course looks clear for Fresno State to be to win the division, possibly. I mean, I think that the West is going to be a little bit more difficult than anybody would ex- would have expected mm-hmm. coming into the year. Well, especially look at Hawaii and UNLV. People don't like them as much, I don't think, because they think, oh, it's old UNLV. But they're better than they have been. But if they play like this, they can beat anybody in the conference. And you know, going back to what I said about Boise earlier. If they play like that, that's the same kind of thing. They could beat anybody in the conference, including Fresno. So it's mm-hmm. you know those those big matchups that I'm excited for later in the year. Do you have like the win percentage from S and P? Because ESPN changed their FPI. It's not on the schedule page anymore. Um, for for, for whom? Any team? Fresno specifically? Fresno. Well, they haven't updated it with the Toledo game yet. Going into the game, are you talking about win win odds? Yeah, like win percentage. So they had a six percent chance to get to eleven and one, okay. and a twenty three percent chance to get to ten and two. Man, this team—they're going to be—if they need to play close to this, they're going to be—I don't know—I we don't need to get too far ahead of ourselves because it has a long way to go. And they're still—I did my bull predictions today. I still have um, because it's a road game. I still have Boise State in the Vegas Bowl, mm-hmm. so I think that's appropriate. Um, do you think like with the um, did you see USF is ranked, Matt, as well? At one of the polls? What? I think that's the case. Let me double check before I get your outrage again. 
I think I saw it somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, I might be I might be poking you too early about that. Like, hey, USF. No, they were they were twenty sixth in the coaches poll and twenty seventh uh, in the AP poll. Maybe I saw somebody's particular ballot. You, um, you have you nearly had me going for a second. But you UCF moved up a spot or two. I'm, I'm not going to go on a rant. <laughs> I but, thought no, I was kidding. <laughs> that, that's what I'm trying to do. No, I'm just uh, I was looking at something because it's still early, but we'll get into this conversation later. Maybe once we get another game or two. Because you, we'll talk about UCF for a second because they're the main competition. Because basically the American champ is, but mostly UCF right now. Um, they did beat how? What's your um, meter on them crushing Pittsburgh? I mean, apparently it only moves in Lidl because Stanford lost to Notre Dame. <laughs> okay, that's that's literally like the only reason this team is going to move up because losses, it, right? Is because the teams ahead of them are just going to lose, and it's going to be really irritating to watch. Because what they go to, they go to, they host Southern Methodist next week. Southern Methodist is trash. They're not very good this year. Lost Chad Moore. Uh, Chad Morris? No, he's gone, right? He's not the coach anymore. Or is he their head coach? No, he, uh, Sonny Dykes is the coach. That's right, Sonny Dykes. Oh Edison. yeah, Chad Morris in Arkansas. Nah, that's right. So Memphis you know, is I, terrible. I, they lost to Tulane. Yeah, Memphis is overrated. I could have told anybody that. They might score some I mean, points, but we'll see. Yeah, and then they go to ECU, which, okay, fine, whatever. They beat Old Dominion. Who cares? <laughs> like, ser- seriously, the, ser- seriously, I can I can see it already that UCF fans are going to get mad when they rank like 18th in the first playoff poll. Which is, I think, Halloween, right? I'm pretty sure. Right on there. Yeah, so because it's... like like literally, they haven't beaten anybody. Because they're sitting at four and zero. Five, they'll be five and zero. Six and zero. They'll probably probably be seven and zero. And when you look at the coaches poll, I don't not could go through every schedule, but I would not be surprised or shocked if they are top ten in the AP coaches poll the week of the playoff poll coming out. It's only two spots, two or three spots. Scoring thirty points against crappy defenses is only going to get you so far. I know. I'm just saying because you're right. We'll see them. They'll be ranked high in the in these polls because poll these polls are dumb. Because if you win, if you Lose, you move down no matter what. Essentially, if you win, you almost always move up no matter what. Or because team, like you said, teams above them move down. Like I said, Notre Dame losing, like yeah. Penn State, if they whatever you know, what I mean, if te- that's all, all it's going to be. Like if Penn State loses again, they're going to move up because Penn State has two losses to zero to UCF. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're right. They could be like, I don't know where I don't know where they'll be because the team, they're like their record. Do you have their? Do you happen to have their record of opponents at all? Uh no, but I can guarantee you it's not good. UConn's terrible. Um, Fort Atlantic, South Carolina State. Who cares? Yeah, Florida Atlantic's fine. They're you know they're a decent Conference USA team. In, yeah, and Pitt and Pitt. Yeah, so Pitt. Pitt has two wins, but they have like five opponent wins. I think on the year, if I'm correct on that. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. I'm just gonna pull out the Sagarin number real quick. There you go. Their schedule rank right now. Do you care to take a guess as to what it is? I know Ross tweeted it out, and I did. I saw it earlier, but it's like, it's like eighty-five or something. No, it's one fifty-eight. There's wait, there's only one hundred and thirty FBS teams, right? Oh, I know that's because Sagarin <laughs> accounts for FBS and FCS teams. <laughs> that's more of an audience nod to say, hey, you know, there's twenty-eight other teams not in the FBS ranked higher than them in strength of schedule. Yeah, like I have, I have this big cat that likes to roll over every so often when she's happy mm-hmm. because she likes says she likes me to like rub her tummy and things like that. <laughs> yeah, UCF schedule is softer than that. Oh, it's soft. 
I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Did you know? I'm going to team efficiency rating really quick. Oh, wait, wait, wait. can I just say one more thing? Oh, go for it. While I sort my tables here. Because I, I saw the bowl projections that SB Nation put out, and Jason Kirk <laughs> had mentioned in the article. Does he still have Boise he, State in the Big Money Bowl game? He did. Okay, he said that. But, did, but do you, but do you know his reason for that? I didn't read it. Why? I didn't read it this week yet. He said that UCF's schedule, remaining schedule, was harder than Boise's. So that's why he. Hmm. I'd have to do more research to see if that's the case. The final few games of UCF schedule does get better. They have Cincinnati, who looks pretty good. Navy and South Florida. Cincinnati still hasn't beaten anybody. True, but they're better than we thought, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, if if beating nobodies is the barometer, then sure. I'd have to look. Is there a? Um, I know. Doesn't FPS and P plus do strength of schedule remaining strength of schedule? Uh, off the top of my head, I do not know. I know that bcftoys.com. Uh, Brian Femoral, I believe it is. Brian, Brian Fremo, who does Fremo. FEI. I know that he has that. And, oh, by the way, I looked at that before last week. Mm-hmm. UCF's remaining schedule was 130th. Out of 130. Dead last. Yeah, RSLS, remaining strength of schedule, updated. Oh, it's from last week. 924. It's, it's not going to get any better. Let's just put it that way. <sighs> UCF schedule sucks, and it's going to hold them back, and they're probably going to go undefeated and win the American. You think so? You think they'll beat South Florida out on the road? Yeah, probably. But I do think that if someone like Boise or Fresno emerges with one loss, or San Diego, I think if they emerge with one loss as the Mountain West champion, they're, they're going to have a better resume than an undefeated UCF. I'm pretty convinced of that at this point. Here's what I want to see, though. Here's the problem. The only problem with that, um, two things that could happen. Like, again, this isn't our New Year's Six podcast, which we may do sometime during the week with our other guys if we get the, if we can figure things out. Or maybe we'll wait till UCF loses and do it. But I know the polls are different for the playoff poll compared to the coaches' AP poll. One concern I have, which is Val, let's just say Navy. Okay, I'm plugging my mic. I, it's not quick time where it just cut me off. Sorry, let me continue my thought there. I was like, oh, crap, no. Um, we'll keep this in anyways because I don't want to edit it out. My point is, let's say Cincinnati and Navy and USF are – are maybe as good or maybe better than we thought. Let's just say eight wins. That's reasonable for all those teams, right? Maybe more. Sure. Let's just say USF is much better than that because they are currently um, – let's see. They are 4-0. They have basically the same schedule, right, as UCF because they, they – the reason they're close to being ranked, they beat Georgia Tech and Illinois, which are garbage. They have UMass, whatever. Tulsa's not good this year. They get Houston, who's okay, I think. They're, they go to Cincinnati, but they got Temple. Like – my concern is that UCF gets high enough, like in the playoffs. Let's just say after all these wins, they are undefeated. Going into that final week of the – before they reveal – after, or I guess, going into the uh, championship weekend, I should say. That's what I'm trying to say here. Like, they would they – could they be number 10 at that point possibly? Like in the playoff poll because I think you're right. I'm with you. Like, they'll start – mid to low teens most likely like maybe i don't know if 18 right but if they're higher than 15 i'd be very 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 surprised if they're undefeated at that point they can move up a few spots by virtue of oh other teams are losing because at some point if teams keep losing you probably should move up a little bit but not week to week if they get hot like say they get to like number 10 in the playoff poll and then they lose to whomever they play in the title game would they well it doesn't matter they lose so never mind my 
I, I let me let me, let me let me just let me, say this: Cincinnati okay. might be undefeated, but going into this week, they still ranked only sixty third by S and P plus. Okay. Let me uh, re- South South Florida barely cracked the top fifty. They ranked forty eighth coming into this week. You know, beating up on UMass and Tulsa and Connecticut in the coming weeks is not going to move the needle. It's the same story as last year. I'm not going to be impressed by UCF beating, you know, nine or ten win teams that didn't actually beat anybody. No, that's true. It's just, it's like, but what is Boise's? What is Boise was number five at some point in S and P plus. When I was looking at um, the ESPN Power Index, because that's why I had right, the right now coming into this weekend, they were twenty two, and that's probably going to go back up. Team, this is team efficiency, not Power Index. But Boise's six ended up being the most efficient team in the country. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good, and when, when if you break it down by like the actual football power index, I'm guessing Boise is the highest ranked team because they yeah. have uh, Boise at 21, and UCF is all the way down, well, not too far down, 39. And so it's like I don't know. It, but yeah, but, I, but let me refer, rephrase my point here. Let's just say they're undefeated versus USF. They still might be that tennis range. They and they, but they still get their way to the title game. Say they clinch because USF loses a one or two games. Would they still put? Could Boise or Fresno or San Diego State go high enough to jump them if they both are one loss title game champions? They better because my point is, but you know what I mean. They get so high, they keep moving up, moving up. How far are they going to move them down from beating Houston or, or losing or beating Houston in the title game? If that's I have no play. idea. That's I mean, my point. I think- if they get high enough, well, they lose. Well, I mean, but not lose to Houston, but they play a Houston team. They would drop from losing to USF. Who knows how many spots? Would they drop them down to like twenty-two? I don't know. That's yeah, I, don't, I don't that, know. That's a concern I have. Like they will be so high, a loss won't drop them far enough. I guess we'll have to wait and find but out. That's a pretty big concern, right? Yeah. All right, um, let's see. Uh, we, we won't go into any more because whatever. That's it for the we'll, show today. We'll, we'll have plenty more to be irate about in the weeks to come. We will have plenty more to be irate about everything because UCF is – they're winning and they're doing a good job winning. That's not our problem. It's They're, they're winning, but they're still overrated. <laughs> I should ask you this. If Fred, at Fresno – beat Minnesota, would you be having the same conversation of who they beat? Because they also beat that same crappy UCLA team. No, I mean, I think that's still a fair argument because by some of those same metrics, um, you know, Fresno State's schedule for the moment is still kind of lacking. Okay. Yeah, I, I forget which measure it was, whether it was SP Plus or FEI, but it was 113th. So, you know, bad. they still have some work to do. But we can talk about that more in the future. Their remaining SOS is 90 at the moment for Fresno State. Just saying. Yeah. What's so P- we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and find out. What is PSOS, present strength to schedule? Uh, I believe one of them is uh, of the games you've played already. Oh, that's And the other is. one is the yeah. remaining strength to schedule. Yeah, so go check out BCF Toys. Yeah, SOS is just total strength to schedule. PSOS is a basically played strength to schedule. So up through four games, five games, whatever you played. And then RSOS is remaining from going forward. So yes, maybe I'll do something with that. But check that out. So it's whatever they, they have places to improve, but we'll see what happens. So that's our mm-hmm. show for today. MWWire.com is where you can find everything we do. For those basketball fans, we started not published yet, but we have a couple in the can of our preseason basketball previews with myself and Eli Betker. I checked my Skype feed, Matt. It's been three months since I chatted with Eli before the other day, recently. So That's too that's too long. It is still, we chat on Twitter, we DM and text and stuff, but we do not. Uh, we haven't chatted actual like this, which is 
basketball here, so check those out. We're going. We got Utah State, we have CSU. We'll get San Jose State out of the way early, just because. <laughs> That's <laughs> zing. I, I'm sorry, but it's it, it, we'll, we'll we'll attempt to make that podcast 20 minutes. We'll see how that goes. But just subscribe over at iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, um, wherever you get your podcast at, and we will be back. Um, we got a we got a Friday night game this week, so we'll see when we're back. We got a pretty big slate next week. A few more games than we had this week, so. Just check everything out, and also for everybody who visited or visited our website. Thank you. We had a we can't top March Madness yet, Matt, which we will soon eventually do that. I hope in football season, but the second month by far. So thank you for everybody who stopped by, attempting to find how to watch white football because that's a a page you give me apparently. <laughs> so mm-hmm. thanks for all that, and we'll be back next time to talk. Hey, the big game right now. How excited are you for Utah State BYU? Is that a big one? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. The wagon wheel is on the line. We'll get to that and everything else next week. And, yeah, we'll see you next week, folks. Have a – Matt, have a good night. Have a good day. All right.